Welcome to Power Players in Business and Life with Adrian Richardson, the show where brilliant leaders in business share powerful insider secrets and strategies to succeeding in life and business. Now, here's your host, Adrian. Hey everyone, I'm your host, Adrian Richardson, founder of the Power Players in Business and Life podcast, where I get the honor of interviewing fascinating, big-hearted people who have brilliant minds. I'm also the founder of Power Play Media, where we create and implement strategic marketing plans for service-based business owners who want to scale their companies to seven or eight figures and beyond using Facebook and Instagram ads. This episode is brought to you by PowerPlay Media. PowerPlay Media specializes in creating highly profitable and scalable Facebook and Instagram ads by strategically delivering the right message to a qualified market. Businesses that want to achieve sustainable growth and profitability hire PowerPlay Media for their notable marketing expertise. They offer a premium done-for-you lead generation service for businesses at a million in revenue or more, as well as a top-notch mastermind for business owners who want to scale to seven figures and beyond. For more information about their services, visit wearepowerplay.com today. And now, let me tell you about today's guest. Kevin Kermes is the co-founder and partner at Career Attraction. Since 2008, the team at Career Attraction has helped more than 16,000 high-performing professionals in their search to land six-figure positions they love. Their work has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, Business Insider, Inc. Magazine, Fast Company, Military Times, and more. And Forbes even named them one of the best websites for your career. Kevin, welcome. It's so great to have you here with us today. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, it sounds like you guys <laughs> are just super big power players when it comes to helping professionals land six-figure jobs. And I just love to know more about how you got started with all of this. Yeah, so I'll I'll try to give the readers digest version. Um, but at the at the heart of getting here has been for me a quest to get back to purpose. Right? I I was I was blessed coming out of college to get commissioned in the army, serve as an infantry officer. That is where you know my first connection with purpose and mission and intent behind what you're doing. You can relate being a being a veteran as well. Um, yes. And I and and getting out, I kind of got disconnected from that. I fell into headhunting, which was great. Um, had a really good run with that. I worked for an international search firm, built and sold two search firms. Uh, but back in 2008, when I was doing some planning for us for the year, I, I really I started to look at what I was doing and how I was feeling. And it started with us kind of mapping out the next year and the plan for the next year. And I said, hey, you know, we can, we can do all the math on how many clients we need to get, how much money we want to make. I said, but I really like to dissect the clients we've really enjoyed working with and how do we get more of them. Uh, and as I was going through that process, I started to realize, well, wait a minute, <laughs> I'm not really sure I like what I'm doing. Uh, and I don't like the entirety of what I've been doing as a headhunter. And, and I knew my time was kind of coming to a close with that. I wasn't super inspired by it and had this idea about reverse engineering what headhunters do and helping individual professionals, high performers achieve that same thing. And that, that kind of put us on the trajectory for what is now career attraction. So I love that you took that moment to reflect because what happens when people get in that position, I feel like sometimes where it's like, oh, how do we get more clients? How do we get more clients? How do we make more money? That they think that right. as they continue to grow that, that that will bring them the happiness and the fulfillment. And I love that you kind of stopped and said, wait a minute, like just doing that isn't really going to, to help us achieve the mission we want or, or bring fulfillment to our lives. 
No, to- totally. I mean, I, I jokingly refer to closing deals as a headhunter, as a crack high with the caveat that I've never done crack, but <laughs> based off everything I've heard, you know, it's, it, it was euphoric and it was great. And I'd wake up the next day and I'm like, how is it that I just got a $35,000 check for this search? And I feel empty inside. Mm. There's, there's something broken. There's some, there's something not right here. Um, and I make no apologies for us, you know, being a successful business and, you know, mid seven figures and on track for eight in 2020, um, you know, we're growing, we've got now 12 team members. Uh, it's, awesome. it's great. But at the heart of that is a culture that's all about purpose and that revenue is a reflection of impact. And, well, yeah. and, that, and that's, that's it. So, I mean, like philosophically for me, me, that was the, that was the thing that, that has allowed me to give clarity. And to your point, whenever I feel like, and it's been a very long time since I found myself in this trap, but when I look back historically and think about any time I've made a decision that was simply driven by revenue, it, it, it never ended well. It never ended mm. well. Yeah. Yeah. I think that when people are, are new to business, they kind of, um, all they're focused on is I need clients, I need clients. Right. And at some point in time, they, they, most people will experience what you experienced where it's like, okay, this is great. I'm getting paid well, you know, this is awesome. Um, but there, I need more than this in order yeah. to really, you know, feel, feel fulfilled, you know, for sure. So no, we, what do you, yeah. sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, we, we see that on, on both sides of the house, you know, we've got our enrollment team, we've got our, our, what we call our client success team, who are the coaches. And it's interesting bringing in veteran coaches and hiring them. And the biggest friction point that they've had in growing their own business is not having alignment in who they get. Mm-hmm. And so when they walk into an ecosystem where people are being vetted, <laughs> And then they're getting, they're like, oh my God, this is like, yeah, you're getting, you're allowed now to do undistracted your work with people who are all in, who are completely all in and ready and committed to a change. And like that, that, that makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. That's a game changer for people. And that's part of what you do with your clients. Like, you know, it's not just about helping them find a job, right? It's like helping them find a high paying job that, that brings them fulfillment as well. Absolutely. So, you know, when we, when we start our process and we focus on sort of your must have criteria around the search, part of our training is, you know, getting through and, and whether working through with their coach, getting back to thinking about those times that you thrived, thinking about those times that you were in love with whatever you were doing and then starting to go deeper. Is it, is it, the leader? Is it the culture? Is it the team? Is it the work? What is it about that work that got you so lit up? And and also not following, not getting into kind of the fallacy of sunk cost that, hey, I've, I've been doing something for 20 years and the next logical step is this, when this isn't necessarily the thing that you want to do. Um, yeah. and, and, and figuring that out and getting clarity and being able to see that and, and building the mindset and the belief system and the identity around where you want to go and then moving towards it, which is, which is way more than the conventional job search, which is let's, you know, let's pack your resume and LinkedIn with keywords. And then we're just going to work through the applicant tracking system. And this is about something much bigger. And it's about, you know, the belief that you have behind what you do and how you show up and how that shapes everything that's going to unfold. 
So uh, you bring up a really, really good point is that sunk cost. And a perfect example is, you know, my husband has been um, an electrician for 18 years. He's been doing that since he was 18 years old, you know, got in the union, then went and worked for the electric company, then got his own license. But now he's in his mid thirties and he doesn't really want to do that anymore. But that sunk cost is holding him back from making a change because he's like, but I've been doing this for so long. Yeah. This, this is what I know how to do. It just seems like it would make sense and it'd be easy to just keep doing something like this. So I'd love for you to talk about how do you help people work through that and move through that sunk cost feeling? Like how do you get past that when you've dedicated so much of your life to it? Yeah. I mean, so, sometimes it's, it, it's, first of all, let, let's like recognize some of the obstacles, right? It's, it's tough because not only are we battling our brain and, and, and the belief system that we've had that's, that's given us all this success in that area, but you also are going to be challenged by the external factors. You're going to be challenged by those individuals out there and, and God love them. The bulk of the people around us are, are going to feed right into fear, not wanting to mm-hmm. change and say, well, why, why would you leave? You know, well, what, what do you, yep. how do you expect to be able to go do something else? How do you, so so number hey, you're one, starting all over. Why would you start yeah, all over? Mm-hmm. Ex- yeah. Exactly. When when so many times it's just an evolution of where you are. And number one, being able to see it, right? Being able to get clarity around what that new identity is, how what you've done up to this point supports that and makes you uniquely qualified. I'll, I'll give a prime example. And this is the first time I experienced this. It was it was exactly a year after I had started um, at the first search firm I worked for coming out of the military. And I was asked to interview to take over an office. I was in Philadelphia, wanted me to take over a practice in, in Baltimore, which is the only one on the East Coast not making any money. Only mm. one in the red for this company of like 220 offices. And I looked at the lineup. I knew who else was interviewing. And I was like, well, man, you know, a year ago, I was like, crawling through the mud and shooting guns and blowing stuff up. (laughs) I have managed in search firms. And then I, it it hit me like they're all trying to explain why their experience, their same experience is different. And I can have a vastly different conversation as it relates to leadership, building and leading teams than they can. Now it doesn't necessarily mean that this company is going to want what I have, but I'm going to double down on what I have instead of trying to be like everybody else and play this game that, you know, so coming right back to your husband, he brings this set of experience, particularly as he wants to transition, evolve, you know, whatever pivot, you know, there's all sorts of, you know, fancy words for, they're not really fancy, but there are all these words for for that journey. But the fact of the matter is it's, it's really getting in touch with, you know, what do you enjoy doing? What do you want to do? What do you want to explore? And then setting the conditions for that, you know, to move forward. Yeah. I think the belief uh, thing is key because a lot of people just don't believe. Um, I was having a conversation with um, a family member a long time ago and, you know, and we were talking about, you know, my husband finding a new career and, right. and they were, and they were, I was like, well, he could do anything he wants to do. Right. Like he just has to pick this, choose, do whatever you yep. want to do. And, and that family member was like, no, you can't do whatever you want to do. Like you have to do, <laughs> you have to do what people allow you to do. Like it's up to other people, what job you get and what you get to do. And you don't really have a choice in that. And I was just awestruck. Like <laughs> what it's, do you it's, say it's, to that? 
It's well, well, it's fascinating, right? So it's right there is is a complete demonstration of not only what you're talking about, but what they're talking about, and it and it all comes back to your beliefs, and our beliefs shape what we see as possible, and they completely impact how we show up and what we speak into the world because we're not going to talk about something that we think is an impossibility, which then feeds the results that we get, which then feed the beliefs. And it's just, it's this cycle, you know, it's a cycle that keeps going around. And um, I I think one of the toughest things for a lot of people, and, and, you know, unfortunately this will show up and this is a a place where it's hard to help people navigate through. It it can show up with their spouses and with their loved ones, um, significant others, partners, whomever, where, your ability to see where you're going may or may not be supported by them because it becomes a little bit easier when you're surrounded by, you know, friends who, Oh my God, you're crazy. Why would you leave this job? That's paying you, you know, mid six figures to go to what is it again you want to do? I don't even understand. Like you, you start to see, right. You start to feel it and to say, I'm going to, I just, I've got to suspend that. I don't, I don't have to like cut you off completely, but right now I don't need that because it's not helping me as I build this up. I, I have friends who, when I tell them what we do, they'll say, well, I, I, I would never pay money for that. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. I, <laughs> great. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not here to convince or convert you, man. I, I, am, yeah. I am simply telling you the impact that we have and, and we're not for everybody and that's okay. I'm totally okay with that. So yeah, I think what people, and unfortunately, I, I it, this seems so simple, but a lot of people don't learn it. And it's something I'm trying to teach my children right now is like, you're going to have, it's okay to have um, different uh, friends for different yes. things, right? Like you're going to have those friends that you go to, they're like they're the fun friends. Like it's like, if I need to go out, have a good time, whatever, like I have my fun friends. And then you have your other friends who are like, they're going to tell it to you straight. Like they're not going to lie to you. They might actually even hurt your feelings a little bit. And then like, you know, you have those people who are your supporters. And I think that when people start, um, we want to like share our dreams and our visions and our goals with everybody and all of our loved ones and all of our friends. But there are times, especially when you're in the middle of going through something really hard, that sometimes you have to not share so much with people in order to protect, you know, your own mindset and your own goals and beliefs around it so that you don't let other people kind of leak in and and steal that from you. Definitely. So it's, I, I, I was going to try to come up with a clever analogy and I'm not even going to do that because I'm pretty sure I'll butcher it. But the fact of the matter is this, is that when you're, when you're in that, if you think about it, like you're, you're laying a foundation and you're trying to establish this and you are, cause we're changing behavior, right? And changing yeah. behavior is meaning that you need to build a whole new set of not only beliefs, but in many cases habits because, mm-hmm. because those habits that stack to build the beliefs, the things that got you here aren't necessarily going to get you there. And I think that when you're going through that phase, you know, let's say you're super deliberate about it, then we're talking 28 to 30 days to, to really incorporate and, and make that, um, those rituals and those habits, something that stick. And yeah. you're just, you're making it more difficult for yourself when you're inviting in other people. And honestly, <clears throat> this is where I believe fear gets really crafty and fear 
as you identify where it's showing up and you're overcoming it is still secretly out there trying to find other people who are going to feed into telling you, no, 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 it's yeah. okay. Just stay where you are. No, it's, that's too hard. Come on. You're like, I've, I'm, I, I turned 50 next year and I've got a five and a half year old. I work <laughs> out sometimes two times a day. Cause I just, I don't want to be the old fat broke dad showing up <laughs> with him anywhere. So like yeah. I, I am committed to it and it, and there's no shortage of people who are like, ah, oh, well you can't expect yourself to do that at 50. And I'm like, well, why, why not? I yeah. not? I, you know, trust me, if my body doesn't want me to to do it, my body's going to send me some screaming signals around that. But yeah. otherwise, it's just it's just feeding fear, and I and I think that's cultivating that. And it's it's tough. Don't get me wrong; none of this stuff's easy. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm a big fan of doing things that aren't easy because immediately there's less competition in the space because most people won't show up and mm. do it. So if you just insert yourself there, you've actually got a higher chance and probability of winning because most people aren't going to play the game. That and is so true. So. You know, that's yeah, that my, is so, so true. <laughs> but I, I, one of the things you said that I, that I think is huge too is how we show up for our kids with that stuff and, and, and showing them. Think, think even your husband, if, if and when he's making that pivot, mm-hmm. what that, the message that sends to your kids, which is anything is possible. You make the yep. decision and, and you can map it out because there's, there's no, I mean, there's no, re, there's no, it's no wonder that, You've got like the Gallup poll survey that says there's 80% disengagement active, you know, active disengagement in the workplace, right? So yeah. most people are not happy where they show up. Most people believe they have to do something. And particularly when you hit that 20 to 25, 30 year mark, which is where like the bulk of our clients are, <clears throat> if they haven't been constantly challenging themselves to do new things and all of a sudden after 30 years of kicking ass at what you do, yeah. Now yeah. you now now you're now you're going to meet some friction. It is not easy. So yeah. for anybody listening who's in your 20s or 30s, don't get disconnected from trying new stuff where you get punched in the face a little bit because that is is critically important as you get older. Yeah. Because if all of a sudden you get disconnected from that and you've been in like your safe, you know, your safe little whoopee for the past, you know, yep. two decades and now you go out to do something new, the money part, the money parts that the where you may it's not even where you're going to feel it first. You're going to feel it first as you get challenged, as you get pushback, as you walk into rooms and all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, I don't know the answer to that question. When's the last yep. time that I sat down and really didn't know a basic answer to a very basic question. Yeah. Um, those, those things, that's a muscle you you've got to flex constantly. That's some really, that that's really good advice. Cause that's what happens, right? Is it's like you get into this career and you get comfortable mm-hmm. and it's normal. It's natural human behavior for us to want to, to, to latch onto what's comfortable and safe. And then you stay there and then you wake up 20 years later and you're like, I hate this, <laughs> yep. Yep. but you're too scared to do anything about it because you've just been doing what's comfortable your whole life. And so I love that you said that, like, keep yourself challenged. Like, even if it's outside of your work, whether it's new hobbies or new, like decide you want to take a Toastmasters class and learn about speaking, like whatever keeps you outside of your comfort zone so that you're always growing. I think that is excellent advice. Yeah. I, 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 I honestly, I wish I had done it sooner. Yeah. Um, but 
here we are. <laughs> here we are. So, so being a power player doesn't mean that everything always goes well. To me, a power player is someone who's faced huge challenges. And rather than being crushed by them, they took that situation, as scary as it may be, and they used it to propel them forward. And I'd love, Kevin, if you would just share with us maybe one big challenge you had in life that you had to overcome. Wow. So I, I think... I actually, the first one that that comes to mind is just kind of the journey that this company has been on since 2008. It hasn't always been, um, it hasn't always operated the way that it operates now. Mm -hmm. And the getting, you know, getting punched in the face, trying, trying different things, things not working out, failing fast, but never losing sight of what the vision is on, on what is possible. Um, and I know that's, that's less of like a finite, here's a, here's a specific situation, but, um, for me, it comes back to something that I said at the very beginning of the, of the podcast. And that is that, you know, if you read like Simon Sinek's book, start with why Mm -hmm. that if you are always tied to your why, I'm not saying it's easy by any stretch, but it allows you to maintain that vision and that clarity around where you're going. And that, that becomes so critical in times that are difficult because that's the, that's the only compass you have is your belief in the possibility of particularly for entrepreneurs. Well, well, hell anybody, I mean, coming in and and coming into a turnaround and providing leadership in a, in a company where you meet, you know, whatever friction you thought was going to be there, multiply it times Mm -hmm. 10 and, and you start to find it. Um, that vision and that belief behind that vision, not just, oh my God, wouldn't it be great to do X one day, but to say, hey, look, I know when, when you and I first met, when you and I first met at the conference we were at, I was mm-hmm. struggling with that. And I stood up in front of a bunch of other entrepreneurs and basically got ripped apart because I was still in that evolution of figuring it out. <laughs> I figured it out the next day. I was like, yeah. and that's when, we, when I got on the track with it. But, but the fact of the matter is like, you, you have to believe it. It has to be part of, of a rock solid belief system that you have, even if you haven't quite figured it out, because that, that will come with time and patience and keeping in motion and, you know, hitting up against walls and figuring your way around the obstacle, over the obstacle, under the obstacle, whatever. Um, so I don't know if that totally answers that question, but that's kind of where When, so obviously, I mean, growing a business is really challenging. You're going to hit lots of roadblocks, you know, detours, unexpected things that are, you know, I'd love for you to expand and talk a little bit more like what are the actions or thoughts that you take? Like how do you move through challenges so that you can turn those into something really powerful? So I, I do, I do think that it starts every day with having, you know, whether you want to call them affirmations or, or meditating, or I, I tend to gravitate a little bit more towards vision Mm -hmm. and, spending some time thinking about where we're going, where we are, where we want to go, um, paying attention to what comes up and not, I, I used to be very big on reacting and priding myself on how quickly I could make decisions and realizing that you don't always have to make decisions quickly. <laughs> you can mm, pump the brakes yeah. on some stuff, yeah. um, which was a, which, and, and still is a, it's still a work in progress for me, particularly as we're developing leaders inside the company. Um, and, and, and that's, I mean, honestly, that's, that's really it is, 
having some kind of very simple default that you can always go back against, particularly when you're running into new situations, yeah. um, as you're, as you're expanding and you're hiring and the, the people you hire when you're three people versus 10 versus 20 versus 50, and you're trying to keep the culture the same or, or have the culture evolve and still stay on, you know, point with, with your, your mission and your purpose and your intent and everything. And as a leader, it's really easy to get distracted by the little stuff that, that pops up. Um, and if you've got clarity around your vision and where you're going, then the how, which is the thing so many times, particularly for those, you know, I think back to like one of the biggest things I battle right now personally is so many years of it being me or me mm-hmm. and my partner, Olivia. And, you know, we were always in the how, and now we're at a place where we don't have to really focus on the how as much as the what and the why, and here's where we're headed and find other people who are super creative on executing the how, because the how is the thing that really, really slows you down on your vision. Yeah. I think people do that all the time. It's like, oh, I would love to do this, but But, how how would I do that? How would this happen? How would that happen? And so we allow the, um, the worry about how we're going to get it done, keep us from actually creating, I feel like big goals and big visions and big dreams because we're just overwhelmed by the how. And that is a really, really common problem I see with business owners is that, and I think that's the difference too, between the, the business owners that have really successful growing businesses is that they're so focused on where they're going and they have a hundred percent faith that they will figure out the how along the way and the right. people who get stuck and are like, well, I need to know the how first before I move forward, they don't grow. Well, it's interesting too. So, so some of the points that we've, you know, that we run into, like I'll give you a prime example is, is running a completely virtual team. And, and you've got experience with this as well. Yeah. There's no shortage of people out there that, that will tell you, well, there's a point at which you're going to have to, you know, go brick and mortar. You're going to, yeah. and, I, and I, and I keep... Olivia and I talk about this a good bit and I, I'm like, look, you know, I, I love to find other people out there who have faced challenges that we have to, to speed up our learning process. But when you find yourself entering certain areas where you can't find anyone else that's done it, now it's on you. And that's why the belief system is so critical. Like for us, mm-hmm. I don't, I, I do not, and I don't say this with any reluctance, we're never going to be brick and mortar. We're just, we're not. And when we reach that point where we start to feel some friction, then we've got a new challenge to figure out. And if that means for some reason, if we, if we reach a point where we say we can't grow anymore because we're going to lose our culture, we're going to, we would have to go brick and mortar. We would have to, then to me, it doesn't even mean that that's finite this, this may or may not make sense, so bear with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, it, it doesn't mean that it's finite and you can't grow any further. It just means I haven't quite, we haven't quite figured it out. Yeah. That's, that's it. And, and to me, that opportunity of reaching that friction point is really exciting because now you have the potential to do something that maybe nobody else has done out there before. Yeah. And, and that's, I, I get fired up about that, so... Yeah, I think that most people, most people, um, when I hear people tell me that something isn't possible, the first thing that comes to my mind is, well, you just haven't figured it out yet. Like, well, yeah, and, 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 I, and I, I totally agree with you. If you believe it's yeah. impossible, it's not happening. Right. And if you're looking for somebody else to come along and convince you of it, that's, 
that does not, first of all, that's got no place in leadership. Yeah. Period. Like I, one, one of the things that I've had several of our clients who've gone through our program though, as we're wrapping up, they'll say, I don't think you guys realize what you have. I'm like, well, I, <laughs> I, I, I think we realize what we have and, I, and I, I'm, I'm not being combative about it, but like, tell me what that means to you. And, and many will come back to outplacement because they've gone through outplacement. They got outplacement as part of their executive package and they're with us because they're not finding the community. Like community mm. is a huge piece, right? Yeah. And, and in outplacement, the tie that binds is we all got laid off. So you've got a variety of different mindsets. And when you're really looking for that support, because the job search is exceptionally lonely, you're going to have to dig and you're going to have to put up a lot of walls against those people who just want to moan and groan all the time versus the people who are getting it done. So I I was up in New York meeting with a bunch of clients and one of them I shared a car ride with and she goes, you know, have you thought about outplacement? I said, I have. Here's the point that I keep running up against. The tie that binds with everybody is they got laid off. The thing that makes our community so unique is commitment to mindset, resolve to execute, not being a victim, all, all, those, all those things that make up this beautiful collection of people that we're so fortunate to work with all the time. I don't see how we do that without placement. And she's like, well, you know, and immediately, do you realize how much money is there? I'm like, yeah, no, mm-hmm. I, I get it. I'm not, and I'm, I'm not worried about it. I'm just telling you, I don't see, I'm not, and I said, please pay attention to what I'm saying. I'm not telling you it can't be done. I'm right. just telling you I don't see it. I am 1000% open to the person, the person who can come along and help us figure that out. You got a seat at the table. <laughs> There's no <laughs> doubt about it. I, yeah. I'm glad to talk to you about it. Glad to, you know, glad to even build a plan that, that I believe in, but like, I can't, I can't see it, which is fundamentally different than to your point saying it can't be done. Right. I yeah. Just don't I see think, it. yeah, I think it's really important for a, a leader to, um, to see the difference in that. There's a difference between saying it's not possible. We can't do it because at that point you're shut down to possibility and thinking and brainstorming and, you know, saying, okay, I don't believe it's impossible, but I don't know what the solution is right now. Um, leaves you open to possibility. And that's really important for a leader. I think that at too many companies, the leader gets tunnel vision where they're like, well, this is the way we've done it. This is the only way it can be. This is the way it's worked. And when you do that, you're really kind of restricting the growth of your company and of your people when you close yourself off to that. Oh, absolutely. And, and you hit the nail on the head. The message that you're sending out to your people is status quo or, you know, if you're, if you're one of those leaders that the only good idea is your idea, yeah, um, (laughs) you know, you're, you are, you're creating any, an enormous hurdle for yourself, not only with the people you've got on your team right now, but you're going to have a hell of a time attracting top talent that wants to come in and be given the freedom to fail and to execute and try things. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, you, you've got to, you've got to look internally and figure out where that's coming from and why you're showing up that way. Yeah. I like um, when, you know, I'm having a challenge and can't find a solution for something is to go to my people and say, prove me wrong. Like, you know, show, show me how this can work. You know, I can't see it. 
find a way because people love to prove people wrong. Like, like they, they want to be the one that figures something out. And so I feel like when a leader can go to their people and say, I need your help. I can't see how this could happen, but I know that it's possible. And I, I know somebody in this room can figure it out. And that, that is, that inspires and motivates people to keep looking for solutions and keep, you know, brainstorming and thinking outside of the box versus you going to them and saying, you know what, guys, like this just isn't possible because you just shut it down all of a sudden there. And then people aren't thinking like that. No, one, 100%. And it's, and it's such a great opportunity to be able to, to see who you have and who you, because I'm a big believer in hiring leaders, whether mm-hmm. people are going to step into that role or not, particularly when you're a smaller company, the thing, one, one of the things that can keep you from scaling is having a lack of depth on your bench for leadership. And, mm, and, yes. and, and, and to me, the first tenant of leadership is the ability to lead yourself. So yes. if you're hiring people who have the potential to lead other people, they should <laughs> get up to speed a lot quicker than anybody else is going to, because they see that opportunity that they need to master it first before they can lead and they can direct and mentor and grow anybody else and, and build out teams. So if you're, if you are, if you are creating that opportunity, even on a, even on a micro level, as somebody is, is stepping up and, and on the path to mastery and whatever they're doing inside your organization, you're able to start testing out and see what kind of leader they would be before they've ever formally been, been given that role. And that's a, and that's a, that's a total gift, right? Yeah. Okay. So we have to spend a minute on that. Cause what you just said right there, I, want oh, I love it. I love this stuff. I want, I want everybody <laughs> listening to hear this. Okay. So what Kevin said is you cannot lead others until you can lead yourself, right? It starts with yourself and it's very tempting when you own a business to like, let's just say you're going to hire a VA or some kind of assistant, you know, some kind of administrative person that maybe, you know, it's there. It's not a high level leadership role, right? They're, they're in a lower, lower position. And it's, and, and most business owners are not going to look for a person with any kind of leadership skill whatsoever for that position. But what you just said is huge because it, then if you don't look for that in people, now you have to manage them instead of them managing themselves. And it's a big difference between an employee or team member who can manage themselves versus needing someone to manage them. And so that is so good what you just said right there, Kevin. Like it doesn't matter what their role is in the company or what level it's at. If they have some kind of leadership, it's going to be the difference between them managing themselves and you having to, for lack of a better term, kind of babysit them and and pull them along. Yeah. And, and you, and you think about it, if, if you're growing, when you're growing an organization and you start to come up with the systems and the process that, that you want to offload with somebody else. And this is something I've done in every company that I've owned, which is you need to, and it's something I learned very early on in the military, you need to document what your role is. And there's no way you're stepping out of your role into either a different role or a greater role or expanded role until you could hand that off to somebody else. And it's, and it's all documented. And, and sometimes mm. like when I've talked to other entrepreneurs, they're like, oh my God, so I have to document. I'm like, no, 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 you're not listening. You don't have to document anything. <laughs> The people on your team need to document that. When you right. start out with somebody, you should absolutely document it. You should absolutely document the process and then hand it to them and say, find the holes, find the holes, fill the holes. Now you can improve upon the thing. And this is, that's, that's the path to mastery. Yeah. And, you know, but the, what, what you're describing too, is if you offload something and you're not finding somebody who takes initiative, you're not finding someone who is going to take ownership 
of what it is that they're doing, yeah. all you have fundamentally done is taken, if you're looking at an allotment of time and energy that you've got every day, you've offloaded something and you've just traded that out to now have to supervise and you know micromanage or whatever you want to yeah. call it, yeah. that process. So you haven't gotten anything back. You've actually increased your cost and <laughs> increased your workload, which is not, it's, I mean, you're going to, when, when you wake up to that realization, it's you're going to be angry and there's nobody to be angry at except for yourself. You, you well, I think that, mm. yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, I think this is exactly why people have are get so frustrated when they hire someone and they're like, well, it's, you know, I could just do it faster myself or I could just, if I just take care of it myself, it'll be, you know, because yeah. they're not, they're not putting that in place where when that person is hired, it can actually take over for them and remove that from their plate completely. And so now, like you said, now you just still have to oversee the work and supervise someone doing it instead of you being able to remove it from your plate. Yep. I mean, there, there's, there's, there's so many, there's so many different levels when you're looking at this of the, you know, this goes back to belief and identity and everything that's going on between your ears. If you're truly growing a company and you believe in that identity of where you're going, which is what you have to assume now, then you look at what you're doing and you have to offload it. And when people will say, well, I don't have the money to do that. It's like, well, well, you've, you've got to start you have to start spending and behaving as if. Yeah. And, and when you don't do that, and I'm not, I'm not saying anything crazy. I'm not saying, you know, your business is generating $10,000 a month and you need to go hire a $200,000 CFO. You don't yeah. need that. Like when you, when you really look at what you need and where you are, more often than not, when you're on the right track, those things are going to marry up and, and they may make you a little uncomfortable. It's okay to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, but when when you're looking at, when there is, is a complete disconnect between what you believe and the identity you have on where you're going and behaving that way now and what you're doing, then that's the problem. And, and for every business owner and every leader out there, we're the bottleneck. We're always the bottleneck. For mm-hmm. me, that's, that's the thing I love because when stuff's screwed up, I'll give you an example. We, we hired, I hired somebody on, on my side of the house. Like I hired a coach a, a couple of months ago and, and it, was, it, was a, it was a complete, complete disaster. The person I hired, they, and fortunately didn't get to a point where it was impacting clients. But as I saw the behavior, I stopped and I was like, okay, this, this is not going to work. This is not a cultural match. And I, and I actually made the decision when Olivia and I were meeting out in Denver, had the conversation with him, the entire flight back to Florida. I just sat there with my book in front of me. And if I could find it now, I'd read it to you. But <laughs> it was what, what do I need to do differently? How did I allow this to happen? Because it's too yeah. easy to say, oh my God, that guy, I mean, he was hiding something. He was, he's not one of us. He's blah, blah, blah. And then he did this, then he did that. Okay, great. Got it. I'm crystal clear on the stuff he did. But the reason he's sitting in here is because I gave him a thumbs up. Yeah. And, and not only, you know, that decision, but the impact that had on the team, the potential impact that could have on clients, like it's a moment for reflection, not to sit there and point and wag fingers at people. Um, because it's, you know, there are no bad soldiers. There are only bad leaders. And I, I still firmly believe that. Like, if you want to be in charge, like you're, you're in charge and, and you've, you've got all this, you've got all this and you need to, you got to figure it out. You've got to figure it out. 
Yeah. That's, um, uh, I know you've read this book, probably Extreme Ownership by uh, yep. Jocko Willink. That's just yep. such a good book. And, uh, it, I, you know, it, it really always comes back to the leader. And, you know, yes, we need to hold our people accountable. And, um, but in the end, a, a good leader is always self-reflecting. Absolutely. It's that his, his book, you know, Jocko Willink and Leif Babin wrote Extreme Ownership. That book, The Go-Giver by Bob Berg, and I can't remember who Bob Berg's co-author is. It's sitting here on my desk somewhere. And then uh, James Clear's Atomic Habits are three books that are required reading for everyone who comes into this company because they are, they're, they're foundational for us. If you're not, yeah. if you can't own your stuff, <laughs> did the G rated version of that. You can't own your stuff. There's, there is no, it goes back to the leadership piece. It it starts there. It starts there with accountability with yourself. Go giver phenomenal book. I highly recommend that everybody read it. And then atomic habits really breaks down what James clear has done in his body of work. I've been following him for years. What, what he has done to break down building habits and the belief system and then everything you need to stack on to get one percent better and that commitment daily which is a which is a commitment that everybody in our team makes daily we use voxer as a tool and everybody starts out with i'm committed to getting one percent better which leads to mastery which leads to certainty and here's where i'm focused today Mm. and and then you can measure up everything that people are doing and are you if you say that's what you're focused on let's look at what you're doing to pull that lever um to, to get stronger, to get better as an individual. And then if you're in a leadership role, how are you, how are you doing that to amplify the team? And then more importantly, have an impact on why our clients came to us, which is to find six figure jobs they love. Yeah. This was so, so good. Kevin, we talked oh, about thank you. some good stuff here. And I know that people listening are going to get so much value from just from leadership to mindset and habits and the the books you just mentioned are also fantastic. And, um, I I would love for you to share Kevin, how our listeners can get in touch with you. If they're someone who wants to have a six figure dream job and they're looking to transition, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? No, absolutely. The best, best thing to do is just go to our website, careerattraction.com. You'll see that we hold a webinar regularly, which we go into the five shifts that all of our clients have made to land six figure jobs. They love, I think we do somewhere between 11 and 12 case studies in there. Um, There's nothing for sale. If what we talk about resonates, you can book a call with us to figure out, you know, first of all, figure out what the problem is or what the problems are that are standing between you and where you want to go. And if we can help you with them, we'll let you know. If we can't, we'll let you know that too. Uh, but you'll walk away with clarity around what needs to shift and what you need to change in order to get where you want to go. That's awesome. Well, I know our listeners will be moved and motivated by what you shared with them today. And you are a power player, Kevin. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you. Thanks for listening to Power Players in Business and Life be sure to click subscribe. To learn more about Adrian, visit www.wearepowerplay.com. We'll see you next time.